0: Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Rina Osman, here with my friend Chabruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Nedarin, daf Dalad, page four. The Gemara begins, or it sort of is in the middle of starting from yesterday's daf. An interesting discussion about how can a Nazir, right? That's somebody who vows um, never to be with, a de- never to become tame through a dead body, or never to cut their hair or um, to eat any product of a grape. And when you do this, when you make this vow, initially it would just be for 30 days. Some people are Nazir for their whole life. But the assumption or the glories were basically talking primarily about like a Stam Nazir, somebody who's going to do this for 30 days. They make a vow that they're going to be a Nazir. But one of the things we saw on, uh, on Daf Gimel was the idea that a Nazir could uh, transgress the prohibition of which is essentially that you should not delay. And so the question the Gemara wants to deal with here is, what is it that the Nazir could be delaying? And so they're going to give a couple of different possibilities of, of what the delay could be. So the top of the top starts with, Right, let's say somebody takes uh, the, the vow of becoming a Nazir, while he's actually in the cemetery itself. Okay. So, in other words, if one of the things that you can't do while you're a Nazir is that you are not allowed to become Tame from a dead body, you cannot acquire ritual impurity from a dead body. And then you take the vow, and we say the vow basically takes place immediately. If you just make a, a declaration that you're going to be a Nazir, basically the person would be required to leave the, the graveyard right away would have to purify himself and then accept the, the vow of, of, of being a Nazir upon himself. But if he sort of like waits around in the graveyard and doesn't leave right away, that would be considered a delay. Now, I think it's a very, very clever case because we also know that the process of becoming ritually pure from being ritually impure, right? So in other words, he's starting off his vow in a state of impurity. So he can't really start the vow he becomes Talgur, that whole process with the Paraduma, right? That's what the red heifer takes a week. It's not something that you do very, very quickly. Um, And so then the Gemara wants to analyze this, right? Whether, uh, you know, this makes sense. So this goes well, according to the person who says that the state of Nazir doesn't take place exactly immediately. But according to the one who says it takes place immediately, is there a possibility how you know is that he should not be over that he should not have transgressed uh, right? Because since according to Rabbi Yochanan, this was the opinion we saw yesterday, nizirut takes place as soon as you make the vow. He's in the graveyard, right? The person who made the vow can't delay. It's implementation, right? And the commandment is basically not so. It's not applicable. There's no Baal tacher at all because it takes place right away. So that can't be what the Baal tachher is about. Um, so they discuss this a little bit more. Uh, then they give another example, again from uh, from Rav uh, Ravacha, but here it's Ravacha quoting somebody else. Ravacha berades a Ravika Amar, Ravacha the son, Ravika said, "Over tachher." So we know that when the Nazir finishes being a Nazir, he has to shave his head. Right? You cut your hair of the hair that you let that you let grow. And so here, what they're saying is, you would be you would have transgressed the commandment of Baal of not to delay if he delayed shaving uh shaving his head. In other words, he should not put off uh doing this part of being of being a Nazir right? He should basically, he he should do that right away. So that's another possibility. And again, they're going to go through that and explain that, you know, explain why this may work or not work. Then they give a third possibility here, Mazutra Baray De Mario right? He says, Over Bebaltacher, Karbinotat, right? Maybe he could be Over, right? He could transgress Baltacher if he doesn't bring uh, the Korban right away, okay? So when your period of root ends, okay? There are uh, required commandments that a person would need to bring, okay? Um, now, according to this, is maybe now, you know that when you have to bring these types of korbans, some people would say that it would have to be like a certain number of festivals would have to pass by. Um, but the idea is, is that there is some type of delay of the korban itself. Again, they're going to challenge this and they're going to try to uh, explain what exactly this could, pro- you know, what the- exactly uh, this could possibly um, mean. Okay. Then they're going to give another, a fourth possibility, right? So, um, so they now get into a discussion, well, sorry, this isn't really a fourth possibility. Within that discussion, uh, they get into a, a, a question about the Kiddush or the notion at all that Baal tacher would apply to a Nazir at all. And, um, you know, they, they want to sort of try to understand why that was a Chiddush altogether. Like, why would we have thought that Baal tacher wouldn't apply? Like, why would you think that it wouldn't have been uh, wouldn't have been an issue at all? So one explanation that they get for it is they say, right, the ode, right, that maybe this rule, right, that you cited, this law is, is, is a chiddish, it's novel, because where is, you know, in that Nazir is more stringent than in other places, okay? So in other words, let's say uh, when, when you say as a Nazir, okay, if you say I'm a Nazir regarding any great product, right, that still would bring on a full state of nazirat. So in other words, there's something more stringent about the neder of Nazirah than other types of vows, which wouldn't necessarily take place with that type of like language differences. That's that's, that's what the Gemara is saying. They give another, uh, you know, they give another explanation, which is chid, chidusha. what else could the Kiddush be here, right? That we would think that, uh, you know, that maybe the commandment of vows wouldn't apply here. Khamina, right it might have entered your mind since right this law if the nazar shaves right over one of the three korbanos right that he um that he has to bring which then fulfills his shaving obligation as well he has to bring some corbano when when the when the head is shaved then he wouldn't have actually transgressed Commandment of Baal tacher ka mashmalan. So we're learning right differently here. In other words, he shouldn't have to wait till the korban. If he waited till the korban, right, that that's what the Kiddush is here. Is that maybe that's where he's actually could transgress Baal tacher if he waited until he brought the korban to actually shave his hair. And then they have a very very interesting one, and this is the one I really want to focus on. Bei bayesema, if you prefer to say maichichuha. What is the chidesher with nazirat Again, that would maybe make us think that doesn't apply. Because one cannot assume, right, an obligation for the, the Nazir's chatat offering. We're talking about, remember, the Nazir, one of the korbanas he brings is a chatat, which is very interesting and leads to a lot of discussion. What is the chatat for? Why is he bringing a sin offering, Right through any type of nether. The ha, ka kasha lach, okay? Because when you ask from the from the case of a chatat that was brought for eating chelav, remember chelav is that uh, it's like forbidden fat that you're not supposed to eat, and you have to bring a chatat if you did this, right? So for that chatat, okay, um, you don't bring it just through an ordinary Neder, okay, but you also are subject to bring it right away, right? You could also be subject to balta khair. So the question would be, right, that should a Nazirut, why would a Nizirud, uh chatat be any different, basically, okay? And so then it goes on to say, chatav chelav ka'ata lekapara. The khatat that's brought for a chelav comes to atone for a sin. And since you're commanded, basically, by bringing this chatat, to bring an atonement, you're not allowed to delay. You have to bring it right away. ate, but the khatat of a nazir, what what are you? What, what does it come for? In other words, you can't compare it to other khatas, like for doing an actual sin, right? And so, um, and because of that, you therefore, you know, so with a sin, right, when it's a khatat because of a sin, if you delay in bringing it you would transgress this commandment of Baal with But within, because a Nazir is not really bringing it for a sin offering, so then we may think, okay, there's no Baal with a Nazir. So that's the first point that they bring up that's very interesting here. It's already questioning what the purpose of the Nazir chatat is, which is very interesting. Finally, it concludes by saying, So they say, wait, we have another example where somebody brings a khatat. And it's not really for a sin. And that is the chatzad of a yoletad, right? Which is a very interesting thing. When a woman gives birth, after she gives birth, she actually also brings a korban chatzad. And the commentators all discuss this. Why are you bringing a sin offering for having give birth? And the Bible says, ate it does not come for any type of sin offering. So this is found actually in Fayikra chapter 12, verse, uh, verse six, um, right? And the question is, you know, what, what, why would the woman be considered to have done anything, you know, sinful? And the commentators explain, give reasons why the khatat is appropriate. But the bottom line is, she really hasn't done any type of sin itself. But of our Lamishum Baal And we know that if she delays doing that, you she would have transgressed Baal right? So this basically tells us we do have an example of a khatat that is not for a sin but you're still responsible for biltahir so we could apply that same principle to the nazir as well so the Gemara says haqiqa la limi no that woman needs that khatat because that khat once she gives it right she can then eat um, she can then eat a uh, she's allowed to eat the kachim, which she previously was not allowed to eat until that khatat was actually wrong. so i we learn a few couple of things here. I think it's interesting that, um, you know, we're in the middle of Nadarim. Again, we're going to have its own masachet for Nazir, but just pay attention to, we're pulling out like a couple of these really interesting pearls about Nazir itself, right? How would you have a case of a Nazir who takes the vow when they're already in a state of Tuma, right? What is the meaning of the chatat for Nazir? It seems to be different. And contrasting it, right, that we have this unusual case of a chatat also, that's not for atonement with, uh, with a woman. So I, I touched upon a lot of points. It may have not been as organized as it was in my mind when I thought about what I was going to talk about. So I apologize about that. But I again, I think just pay attention. There's so it's a short tap. There's so much in that tap.
1: So I still have this question, and I know we'll get it answered, please God, in a few months. Which is what is in Masechet Nazir when all of well not all, but when so much of the detail about Nazir is already here. Um, so I guess we'll all stay tuned for that. Um, okay, I want to move to Amabet. And Amabet has its kind of, it's like a very small pocket of an independent topic, which is a topic that we're going to see recur throughout the Masachet because it's about um, nullifying or renouncing. Uh, canceling vows that have already been made. And it's here because it's connected to the Baita that's quoted above, so we'll have the rest of the Baita now as well. So when it comes to nidarim, when it comes to vows in general, we know that a father can cancel right literally cancel vows that his daughter or his or or um or the husband can do the same for his wife right so can they can cancel the vows that are that they that these women or girls have made um and the point here is that also if the vow that they made was about nizirut the father can come along and cancel it. So if a daughter decides that she's going to become a Nazir and she uses the words and she says she's taking upon herself Nazirut and so on, the father can come along at the right time. It's, I don't, it's not forever. And say, no, you're not, right? Meaning I am canceling out this vow. Um, that is, I guess, part of the dynamic between this man and these, you know, uh, the women in his life, namely daughters and wife. Right? And um, I want to
0: point out it's this specific uniqueness of the law of Nidarim, why it appears in Masachat Nashim, right? Because we could have Nadir could have Nadarim could have appeared in a variety of other, you know, satyrs of, of, of Mishnah. And it's always a question, why does it appear in this in Nashim? And this is why, because of this unique characteristic of its law.
1: Okay. Um I don't know if I knew that or if I did, I certainly didn't recall it. And here I am talking about it. So I apologize for that. Um, But the thing is, the thing is though, that even when it comes to Nazir, Nazirut, right? a daughter decides she's going to be a Nazir. The wife decides she's going to be a Nazir. This is of course complicated. The husband can nullify these vows. And then what that means is that we have this, you know, again, this kind of juxtaposition that we have to understand why this can be why this would be the case. Why can, just because they could do it in in Nadarim, why would it stand to reason that he could also do it for Nazir? And the reason is, why do we have a, again, this kind of heckish this this play or, or learning of parallel verses or parallel topics within different verses. So, the Gemara says, why how do i learn this right if i'm learning this from this analogy of the heckish right if i'm learning from one from the other so then to say well we have this particular detail about vows how do we get it to nazir specifically you would think that you would not oh this is why it's a question right why do i need a heckish right because i would think that the fact that we're talking about nadarim would mean and i've raised this question already before in just these couple of days. Why would we think that Nazir needs its own special thing? Isn't it itself an oath, right? Doesn't it, can't it be subsumed under Nidarim? So the Gemara says, well, and this is a famous, famous limud, that maybe if we didn't compare, if we didn't put Nidarim and Nazir together, we might say that just because one can nullify or cancel Oh, this does not mean that the nazir oath would be included, because a nazir oath, in general, has a time limit. Meaning, usually, it's going to be a thirty-day stint. And as compared to saying other oaths and vows that have no time limit, so you're comparing apples and oranges. They're so totally different. These two things, that it can't possibly be that you would learn one from the next, right? Meaning, so therefore, you have to you have this hekesh, and therefore you learn one from the next. And the father could again nullify these vows. Um, okay, therefore we learn that in fact um, the father could nullify the nazir. And so then then the gemar goes on. I'm I'm just going to reference this very briefly. Right, what happens if somebody takes this is a new case of one who swears off his friend, right? And we've talked about this kind of case before. And again, this is from the Mishnah. So Shmuel basically says that I'm going, when he says I'm going to swear off of anything you have or anything you produce, basically the claim is, that's gonna be for things like I'm not gonna eat anything of yours. I'm not gonna taste anything that belongs to you. I'm not gonna get any benefit from you, right? But the Gemara doesn't quite like this, and again, it's from a or a different Breta, right? Um, it's different language, uh, different formulations that all of which means like I'm swearing off of you. So, and this I think is interesting says he is, in fact, prohibited from doing all of these things from that individual, meaning he's sworn off him, then he can't do any eating, he can't do any tasting, etc., of that person's food. When he says, <laughs> meaning each of these cases, each I'm sorry, the first case was um, any benefit, then it comes to the food, right? It's prohibited. It worked. The bottom line is, the Gemara does not like that somebody would be modere, that someone would swear off another, but it does work. And I think that's the interesting part. So the Gemara just closes out this last bit. And the, the bright is, in fact, talking about moder, not hanaa, but specifics. Moder achila, moder ti'ima, whatever. Um, and then the Gemara is going to go on to say there's an, a brighter that says the opposite thing, Right? And I'm struck again by, I'm always struck by this, by how the degree to which the Gemara can argue the case in one direction, you're completely convinced that this makes so perfect sense. And then the Gemara comes along and says, no, no, it's really the other way. And now that does make perfect sense also. The idea that, you know, you, does this, does this swearing off, does it work or is it considered, I guess, gratuitous to such a degree that it does not work? Um, it it is a sidestep, right, from the undoing of vows that took place in the previous passage that I was reading, and yet I feel like, and we're going to see this, I think, as we go forward, um, the connections between these kinds of different sections run deep, even if we don't always see it in a in a nice, neat transition from one to the next.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I'm, we're only three in, and it's. Uh... It, it, the connections are what's challenging here. Like, it's really running from, like, sort of, uh, there's a lot of comparison here, right? It's running from, like, is is the case like this? Is it a case like that? Can I compare it to this? Okay. I, you know, I think it's, they're trying to sort of find some uniformity between all these different halachot of vows, right? And it, it makes sense that Nazir and Nadarim do get connected to each other, but Nazir really stands out on its own. I think that's why it ultimately ends up having its own masachat.
1: I think that it is clearly unique as a kind, uh, uh, let me try to say this better. It is similar to vows in that it is fundamentally a vow, but the particulars of it make it unique. And if you talk about what is a nazir or who is a nazir and what does that entail, everybody knows what that is. All the other nadarim that we've seen have been specific to, meaning they need to be specified, right? If you're swearing off a person that you're not going to eat from their food, you're not going to taste their food, that has to be specified. Likewise, the person, meaning who it is, you can't just say like, "I, I, I don't know, all other nadarim seem to require... Much more of a person's actual defining what the Neder is, as opposed to Nizirut. If somebody says that they are a Nazir, that's enough, right? That you don't even have to give the time because the default is 30 days.
0: Right. And we know what a Nazir actually is. Uh, But wait till tomorrow's stop, which is going to finally get into all the language play and that I know you like. So much. I
1: know. Right.
0: Yes. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank is reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Revenue Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hodgkin website. Let us know what you thought about this stop and our Talking Talent Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.